Revelation 14 tells us about the three angels' messages. And especially the first one talks about the everlasting gospel that needs to be reached to the ends of the earth. And we studied that uh, just a couple of weeks ago. But what is the everlasting gospel? And uh, that the scripture reading that Luca just read talks about how Abraham became righteous. And how, what was the secret? It says, Abraham believed in God. It was credited to him as righteousness. So for us to become righteous, for us to have that everlasting gospel to be restored is to believe. It's to believe, believe in God. Now, where in the Bible, which part of the Bible do you think will talk about the gospel the best way? I mean, the whole book of the Bible is, is the gospel. But which book do you think will explain it the best way? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a debate. I mean, you can go to any book. <laughs> but <laughs> Genesis, okay. I thought Book of Romans will be a really good book to, to deal with. Actually, it's you can't really cover the whole book of Romans in just one sermon. I, it would take a year <laughs> to cover. But I was thinking maybe we could go and borrow the ideas of, of Paul to talk, to tap into the everlasting gospel that we want to talk about. So I want to go to uh, Romans chapter 5 and read verse 1. It says, Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So here it says, we have been justified. This word justified in Greek is dikaiau. This word justified means this. The definition of this word means to set right, to regard as righteous, to declare righteous, to treat as being righteous, or to present as righteous. This is a word that is used in a court, a court setting. So when someone is feeling guilty and somebody brings uh, uh, an evidence or a lawyer will say, okay, because of this, this so-and-so evidence, this person, I say, is righteous, not guilty. And the judge will listen to both sides and eventually will pronounce either guilty or not guilty. And depending on that verdict, the judgment, the person is either guilty or not guilty, correct? That's how it, is. it works here in our setting here on earth. But in heavenly court, when this word justified is pronounced, it is pronounced to the people who, who according to uh, Romans 4, 3, according to what, how the person is justified? When the person does what? Believes. When the person believes in and has faith and has, has believed, then the person is considered justified. Keep in mind this word, dikai'au, is not the person is righteous. It doesn't mean the person is correct. It is saying the person is considered righteous. So there is a little difference. The way how we see when the person is not guilty, pronounced not guilty, the person is considered the person has not committed that sin any, any longer. That's how we think. But in the heavenly court, it's not the case. The person has committed the sin. The person is guilty. But when the person believes, the, words, the word here, be justified, means the person is still guilty. 
However, the person is now, because of the benefit of the blood of Jesus, is pronounced as not guilty, is considered righteous. Okay, so there's a difference there. So God would see us as righteous because of the blood of Jesus, not because we are perfect or uh, we are uh, sinless. So cancellation of charges standing against the believer in the heavenly court is what is happening. That's what's happening. Um, you know, uh, when, when this happens, when we are considered justified, when we are considered righteous, righteous does that mean the sinner does not sin anymore? Does that mean the sinner does not have temptation anymore? Does that mean the person does not have the inclination to sin anymore? No. It simply means the person is cleansed from sin. It's just forgiven of its, its guilt and its penalty. That's what it means. Only that's what it means. Okay? So we need to think about the depth and the layers and what happens in, in, in this process of sin and the person being made righteous. So that's what we'll be doing today. So if, if the person is justified just by being forgiven and the person is left there, is that good? It's not good. It's not, it, it, the gospel doesn't just end there because God is interested in forgiving our sins and freeing us from this guilt of sin and the penalty of sin, but he doesn't end there. He's interested in restoring a person and to work for salvation. That's what God wants us to do, the journey that God wants us to go. So you cannot separate faith, justification, growth and sanctification and glorification. You cannot separate it. It's just one long process, one lifelong process. Justification is at the beginning of how a person starts the journey. It doesn't end there. So, um, oh, here. So, faith that, that gives us forgiveness, does that release us from the obligation of obeying the law? No. Let me rephrase that. So because I have asked for forgiveness and God has given us forgiveness, for God has forgiven me, that means, yes, I am free now to do whatever I want to do. No, it's not. I, I shared, this even, uh, shared this story with you before, but I'll, I'll just do that because there is no, no better explanation than this. I was about 15, 14, 15. Um, my parents lived in the farm. And that day, my dad got hurt, or something happened, and he needed some medicine. He couldn't drive. He, he couldn't drive. Um, I knew how to drive because I learned how to drive a tractor and, and so on. I knew how to drive, but I didn't have a driver's license. I was too young to have a driver's license. But since I lived in the you know, back country in the town, nobody really cares if you drive around. Um, so I got my dad's motorcycle. 
and I drove out to town to get some medicine for my dad because he couldn't move. And dad said, okay, can you just go to town and get some medicine? He's like, sure, I'll go get some. And I went out to town without even having a helmet. <laughs> I went out and I didn't have a driver's license. It's not like I didn't bring a driver's license. I didn't have one. I was not permitted to drive. But I went anyway on that motorcycle. And I, about five minutes before getting to town, what do I see in the curve of that corner? <laughs> I see police officers. <laughs> and I'm thinking, please do not pull me over. Please do not pull me over. But guess what? <laughs> they pulled me over and said, license and registration, please. <laughs> and I panicked, literally panicked. I mean, when you get pulled over, you get nervous, you know. But I literally, literally panicked because I don't even have a license to show. And I couldn't even speak. I was like, uh, 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 officer. <laughs> and I was trying to explain what had happened. Um, I wasn't sure if he would actually believe me, but he did. And said, okay, my dad got hurt, and he, did med he needed medicine. He couldn't drive, and I, he asked me to come and get some medicine. And I, I don't have a license. I, I, I just don't. <laughs> he could have, you know, handcuffed me and put me in this police car and just, just, took me to, to jail, but he didn't. And he said, you know what? I believe you. Go ahead and get some medicine for your dad and be safe on the road. Don't get caught. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's grace. Yes, that's grace. And do you think as I was driving off, do you think I was speeding after that? Like, yeah, and breaking all the rules, breaking all the lights, ignoring all the traffic rules. You know what? He, he, he pardoned me. Now I am free to do whatever I want. Do you think I was driving like that? No. 35 speed limit, I was doing like 20. <laughs> I was so nervous. That's what I was doing. So just because we are forgiven does not mean, does not give us guarantee that we can sin and indulge in, in, in whatever, breaking all God's commandments. No, it's actually the opposite. That would give us the feeling that, you know what? I am now living in mercy. I want to obey God's law even more. That's what happens to us. That's what happens to a sinner who is forgiven. However, when we sin and when we are forgiven, oftentimes we just stop there, thinking that, okay, we can be forgiven, and then we go and sin again because we are sinners and we often sin again often fall into temptation again and we can go back to God and God accepts us back and we are forgiven again. We go back and forth and back and forth. Yes, we often do that and that is still okay because we still have God's mercy upon us. But is that it? Is there no more step, step after that? That's what we need to know. We need to look further and, and see what's happening. Verse 1 continues, uh, continues on to say, let us have peace with God. Have peace with God. So when somebody is having peace with God, it means the, the relationship has been restored. That's what it means. So here, from a State Bible commentary, it says, Forgiveness alone does not bring peace. Man who has been pardoned for some crime may feel a sense of gratitude toward the benefactor. 
But at the same time, he may also be filled with such shame and embarrassment that he seeks to avoid the company of even the one who pardoned him. Have you ever seen wild animals and have you tried to feed them? What happens when you try to go feed them? They want to come and eat the food that you are giving them. But they're at the same time scared. What if they get caught and killed, right? Well, actually, to be honest, nowadays, the wild animals are so bold and so brave, they will actually come and try to, like, attack and steal your food from your hand. Like, squirrels, some of them, they are really aggressive. (laughs) And even, like, ducks and geese and whatnot, some of them are, like, they have no fear. Um, But... And in, in a natural setting, wild animals, if you try to feed them, they will like quickly come and try to grab the food. And do they just casually eat there, eat and sit there and just enjoy the meal? No, they're busy to pick up that food and run away and keep that safe distance from you and then quickly eat that food. So by feeding that wild animal, do you now just, re- just all of a sudden build that relationship and that wild animal becomes your pet and let you pet him? No, that never happens. So the wild animal is interested in eating the food but still scared of you. Okay? That's what happens to a sinner. When the sinner is forgiven of his, sin, his or her sin, and the, restoration, the relationship is not restored, then that's what happens. The sinner comes to God just close enough to get that forgiveness. But as soon as the person picks up that forgiveness and feels that well, relief from the guilt, the person leaves and keeps a safe distance from God and says, oh, I'm forgiven now. I, I'm, okay, I'm okay to go back and do whatever I want. I can, I can live in my life of sin for now. I, I'm okay for now until I feel guilty enough that I have to go back to God again to get that food from his hand, like like we are are feeding wild animals. If that happens, that gospel is not good enough. If that's what's happening, that is not the gospel that we are, that's not the everlasting gospel that we're preaching, that the Bible is preaching. So we need to have peace with God, and that's what we need to have. So if we don't have peace with God, if we don't have the relationship, right relationship with God, then we have little motivation to live a life of righteousness. Because what we need to do is that we just need to go, go to God and then be forgiven, and we can just go back to our life of sin and live that life for another week, another month. And then we can come back to God every time we feel terrible, when we have nightmares, when something, another pandemic happens, then we can come back to God and say, okay, God, please forgive me and give me righteousness or, or something. We pray to God and then we feel good again. No, that's not the way how it works. We are supposed to have that relationship. That forgiveness is the beginning of our journey, long journey that happens in our life. So, it says, Bible commentary says, if justification means no more than that it would actually work against God's plan of restoration, God's plan of redemption. If we stop at forgiveness and go back to sin, and if we come back to God to be forgive, forgiven, and then go back to God again, and if, we hap- if that repeats over and over again, that actually goes against God's plan of restoration because we do not allow God to restore 
in us the new heart, the new lifestyle. We stop. And that is not about the, the plan of salvation, plan of restoration. That gospel is, is a wrong gospel, my friends. That is not the way how it should work. So, simply put, sin has many different layers and many different ways of, of, of uh, looking at it. But simply put, there are three parts of sin. There is guilt of sin or penalty of sin. Number two, there is power of sin. Number three, there is consequence of sin or consequences of sin. So, let me repeat. First, there is guilt or penalty of sin. Number two, there is power of sin. Number three, there, is, there are consequences of sin. So when we are forgiven, which part does it affect? When we ask for forgiveness, when God forgives us, the first part of, of what we're talking about is affected. The guilt of sin, the penalty of sin is removed. So when we ask for forgiveness, we feel relieved. We have this peace, that, that overwhelming peace that God gives us. That, the, 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 the heavy load is lifted because that guilt, the penalty that we have from God is removed. Amen for that. Praise God. But we don't stop there. We don't stop there. So the penalty of sin or, 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 or the guilt of sin is what, is what gives us that feeling, like ah, the conscience. Your heart is bothered. When you steal something, you have this, this guilty conscience. When you, when you hurt someone, that you feel guilty, like you feel bad, you can't go to sleep, and you're troubled. You know what? That actually is the work of the Holy Spirit. As long as you have that, that means the Holy Spirit is still working in our heart. He's still calling us to come back to God. It is not something for us to put aside. It is a call for us to go to God. But that does not stop there. And when we ask for God to forgive us, that guilt is removed, that the penalty is removed. Christ died for us so that we don't have to feel that guilt and penalty anymore. Amen for that. Praise God for that. But it moves on because the story of redemption, the plan of redemption, does not stop at just forgiving us. It has to prepare us to go to heaven where there is no sin. So the gospel has to change us, prepare us to go to heaven where there is no sin. So that's where the next part comes in, the power of sin. So Jesus frees us from the power of sin as well. So when we ask God to help us, he not only forgives us, but he gives us power to overcome sin, to save us from power of sin. Now, when, when God justifies the converted sinner, does God create a new heart in the sinner? Yes. Here, uh, share this slide. At the, I want to share three Bible verses with you. The first Bible verse is Psalm 51, page 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and then renew a right spirit within me. So he's talking about not only being forgiven, but having a new heart. Next verse, Matthew 1, 21. It says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus. For he shall save his people, what? From their sin. Not in their sin. From, okay, let, let, let's, let's look it up. So from means you are moved away from it. You are no longer there anymore. That's what the word from means. 
deeds. So when Jesus, come, when Jesus came, he came to save his people from their sins. No longer living in sin anymore. Next verse, Exodus 20, 36, 26. It says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's talking about how God is removing us the heart of stone and giving us the new heart. Does it only say, okay, I'm going to remove your guilt from your sin and then that's it? No. God is talking about giving us a brand new heart, a new spirit. That is, my friend, the everlasting gospel. So, Bible clearly shows that Jesus does not only take away the guilt of sin, but giving us a new heart, a changed heart. Now, um, so then, what happens if we are forgiven? So the guilt and the penalty of sin is removed, and God gives us the power to overcome from sin. The sin still has power to drag us because we have this tendency, we have this, this, this habit of going back to sin over and over again. So does God remove all that tendency and all, that, all the habits naturally from us so that we don't, we don't all of a sudden don't want to sin anymore? No. That tendency is still there. We have to work on it so that we have to pray to God so God can give us power to resist temptation. But Satan is also working in us to throw us that temptation over and over again. He's not going to stop after throwing a temptation at you when you say, when you pray to God and God gives you power to overcome the temptation, Satan is going to, you know what? Man, I'm so mad. He prayed to God when I gave him temptation. I'm not going to go back to him another week. No. He's not going to give up. He's going to come back to you after five minutes, after 10 minutes, with another temptation, or with the same temptation. So every time that happens, we have to pray to God. God, he came back again. I need your help. Please give me strength to overcome this temptation. And then when you pray, God is going to give you another, temp- another power. Again, power to overcome, to resist temptation. He will dri- he, God will drive Satan away. But we have to pray. That's our work because we have this tendency in us that we, we love sin. And God has to give us power when we pray. He's going to give us power to overcome sin. However, that forgiveness of sin does not remove the consequences of sin. What does that mean? What does that mean? The consequences of sin. So let me give you an example. If you, uh, let's say, if you have a piece of nail and hammer, and if you put that nail in a piece of wood, the nail is driven into that wood, right? It's there. Now, if you remove, if you pull that nail out, is the nail out of the wood? It's out. But what remains there? The hole is still there. Is that hole ever going to be healed, gone? No. The more nails you put in, yes, the more nails you have to pull out. You have to ask God to forgive, forgive, forgive us. And God is, going to, God is willing to pull out every single nail that we pray for. But the holes that we have made because of the sins remain. That's why we are living in this world where there is sin, death, pain, sickness, curse. All this happening is because of sin. The, 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 the consequences of sin. Yes, the guilt... And the, the penalty is removed 
by God's grace. And the power is still there, but God is giving us power to overcome sin every time we pray to God, but the consequences are still there. If someone who's been drinking, smoking all his life come back to God and says, God, please forgive me, will God forgive him of his, his messed life, messed up life that he has lived? Yes. But do you think all of a sudden he will not feel the urge? Do you think the, the, the alcoholic will all of a sudden will not become alcoholic? No. God can give us the power to overcome, but he still has to fight that lifelong sinful habit that he has created. And not only that, his children will be affected because of his life, sinful life. So the consequences are still there. That's what we need. That's what we're living in this world, the consequences. But you know what? When that consequences of, life, of sin will be removed, it will not be removed until, until like ever, until finally we go back to heaven. Amen. Next verse that I want to share, Revelation 21 verse 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away so when we go to heaven there is no more death pain sorrow or tears does that mean the the holes that were that were made because of the nails are there any longer no they are gone when god wipes away all tears from our eyes when god removes death pain and sickness from humanity that is all healed but until then, we still have the consequences of sin. So my friends, when God is giving us this, this plan of salvation, the everlasting gospel to come and, and be free from sin, it's not only from the guilt and, and penalty of sin, but he gives us power to, to be freed from sin saved from sin so that we will not be living in sin anymore and we look forward to the time where there will be no more consequences of sin until that time we are living in this sin if you look at a boat uh, floating up in the ocean the boat is floating up on top of the water if the boat sinks inside the water is that boat serving its purpose no. But if the boat is out of the water, the boat is, is not a boat. As long as the boat is in the water, is the boat wet? Yes, the boat is wet. But as long as the boat is floating, it is not in the water. Well, it's on the surface of the water. It, it's sailing, right? <laughs> so that may give us a little bit of clue of what, what we are doing here. So as long as we are connected with God, we are living, floating on this water of sin. If we drown, if we, if we sink inside the water, then, then we are overcome by sin and we are living in sin. That's not what we want. We want to float on water. Can we totally, completely get away from this water? That's not going to happen until Jesus comes back and takes us back home. That's not going to happen. And are we going to get wet? Yes. 
the boat is wet because we cannot get away from this wind. As much as we can, we want to we avoid sin. We want to live away from sin, but we are living in this sin, and Satan is still tempting us, and we are still affected by that. But as long as we hold on to God, as long as we pray to God, as long as we ask God to deliver us from this sin, God is going to give us power to overcome sin. Yes, we will fall sometimes, but as long as we go back to God, because the righteous falls seven times, but gets back up, the eighth time. So as long as we do that, yes, we can live. We can. However, however, should we be satisfied with just going back and forth? Sin and be forgiven. Sin and be forgiven. Can we do that? No, because we are living in this last day of age, day and age where we need to be ready for his soon coming. We need to be ready to be the remnant, the 144,000. Those who will stand without sin. People who have lived before us would have been okay. But people that are living in this time, we need to follow. We need to become. We need to, we need to copy the character of Jesus who lived without sin. That's what we are striving for. That's what we are trying to do. So my friends, the plan of salvation that God has given us is saving us from the penalty, the guilt of sin, as well as the power of sin. And we are looking forward to that consequences of sins to be removed. I have a whole another page to go, and my time is up. Um, but um, let me just share briefly this thought, and then we'll end. When, this, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, and when Jesus made that plan of redemption, plan of salvation, um, what happened up in heaven? So when Adam and Eve sinned, and the whole heaven cried, the whole heaven was so sad about how Adam and Eve had sinned, had fallen, and the whole humanity, the whole family of Adam had to be, had to die. There was no way of saving them. And Ellen White shows us, reveals us that how Jesus went into the presence of the Father three times to talk with him. After, and, and he had this, this um, pain and the, this sorrow on his face. After the third time he came out from the presence of God, he announced that to all the angels, saying that now there is a way that was made, that, that was arranged, so that I will go and die for this fallen humanity, and there will be a, a way that the fallen people of Adam's race will believe me and then come back and restored and be back in heaven. Amen. Guess what happened to the angels? Were they jumping up and down with joy and were they shouting? No. At the beginning, when the angels heard that, they were like, no God, no, 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 you can't do that. No, they were very sad. How? Why? They just realized that their commander, their Jesus, will have to go through rejection, mocking, death. That's what they learned. And you know what angels did? They volunteered themselves like, Jesus, I will go. I will die for these, these brethren. I will do that. All the angels volunteered themselves. Guess what? They can't do that. No matter how many angels give their lives, 
No angel's life can save a single soul that has fallen. It is only Jesus' life and his blood can save. And Jesus had, to, Jesus had to explain that to the angels. Okay, okay, you guys, I know you guys are all willing, but come here, sit down. Let me explain. <laughs> That's not what you're thinking. And Jesus said, okay, I'll be rejected. There'll be only a few people who, who will accept me when I go down, when I become a, a human being, and angels scratching their head like, what do you mean you become a human being? And Jesus is explaining the whole plan of salvation. This is what I'm going to be doing. People will reject me. They will spit on me. They will, they will, they will uh, crucify me on the cross. And they, they won't understand. Only a few people, handful of people, only a few will accept me as a Savior. But because of that, people, Adam's race, fallen race from the book of, generation, uh, book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, all the way down to, to our time, people, there will be people that would believe me. They will struggle, but still they will fight, and they will be able to come back and be saved and enter into heaven again. Only then the angels were all shouting with joy, inexplicable joy, and say, yes, they can come back and join us. That's what happened up in heaven, in a nutshell. So <clears throat> how are we saved? Like Romans 4.3 says, Like Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. As we talked about that Greek word, it's not that we are righteous. No, we can never be righteous until we go to heaven, until God makes us new, creates us new. We are considered righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus covers us. No matter what we do, we don't deserve any kind of righteousness. We cannot earn justification. There is no way we can do that. Our righteousness is like the filthy rag, like the Bible says. But when we believe in God, the, the, righteous, the blood of Jesus will cover us and will consider us righteous, and God will gladly accept us. That is, my friend, justification. But it doesn't end there. It continues on to fight the power of sin until the consequences of sin is completely removed. That everlasting gospel is what we need to preach to the end of the world. That everlasting gospel is what we need to live in our lives. That's how we can proclaim the first angel's message. If we do not live that everlasting gospel, if we are still going back and forth, back and forth between sin and forgiveness, sin and forgiveness, and if you are not moving on to, on to uh, fighting against the power of temptation, power of sin, sin, then we are not still living in the first angel's message. First angel's message is not just to proclaim. It is to live. It is for us to live and experience this way. Others can see the glory of God that is shining through, like, like Moses, his, his face was shining after his, his, um, his encounter with, with God. That's what we need to do, my friends. So, do you want to be justified and have the guilt and penalty of sin removed from your life, everyone? Do you want to overcome this power of sin that Satan is, is, has over us? Do you want to pray to God to remove this power of sin from us, from our lives, everyone? And do you want to experience this consequences of sin removed completely when we go to heaven so that we, can, we no longer have this any taint of sin until there is no more sin left, there is no scar of sin left. Do you want to experience that in heaven, my friends? 
for us to do that, we need to experience this everlasting gospel here on earth, which is the first angel's message. I pray that we will experience this power of gospel, that gospel that God has given us by giving his blood on the cross so that we can be saved. My friends, let us believe like Abraham believed. Let us have faith so that we will experience this power of everlasting gospel. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this everlasting gospel that you've given us through your son Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Help us not only experience the forgiveness of sin and justification, but help us to move on to the growth when you can remove the heart of stone and give us the flesh, give us the new spirit so that we can overcome the power of sin. We want to live that life, Lord. We want to experience the power of the first angel's message, the everlasting gospel. So as you have seen the hands that went up, please give us the experience of your everlasting gospel. Save us, Lord, from the guilt and penalty of sin and the power of sin. And save us eventually, Lord, from the consequences of sin. Because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.